0: All right, we are back. JD, how are you today? All good, all good, man. What did you get into last night? The I think the audience wants to hear this stuff now.
1: Oh man, you know it was a it was a very very light night. I'm kind of battling, you know, a little cold. Uh oh. I mean, we got Grammy weekend coming up, so I'm just charging up for the weekend. Were man. you Were you working the phones in the uh, the NBA trade deadline? I wouldn't say I was working the phones. I was getting messages. You were getting messages. Getting information here and there, but. It's not like I'm actively looking forward or working the phones. I don't have a particular guy that's of interest right now. Well, that's probably good news for your, for your guys. Man, yeah. Someday, someday we're going to get you to spill the beans. Yeah, someday.
0: But until then, I've been looking forward to this episode for a long time. We have my old, very good friend, writer and director, Amir Farhang here. Amir, how are you? I'm great, man.
2: I'm yeah, great. thank you for having me. <laughs>
0: thank you for coming to the Chance Bending Studios here in Studio City, California. It's an honor. It's, i am sure it is. I'm sure. So for our audience, Amir uh, Amir is an, an I, what I would deem as an incredible director. He's worked on a number of documentaries, shows, commercials. He's done a lot in the world of sports. Some of his notable clients include Nike, Adidas, Gatorade uh and much much more so i really want to get into your process how you think about stuff how you're making decisions uh and just all the good stuff jd this is going to be a good one absolutely so amir tell us tell us a little bit right now about what you're working on currently do you have anything you can talk about that you're that you're you know in yeah the works
2: yeah um you know working working in commercials uh Primarily, uh, and and also exploring opportunities in television, um, in the uh, in the narrative space. Uh, coming off a, a program with Sony Pictures Television, um, I was uh, fortunate enough to shadow David Katzenberg on two episodes of uh, Schooled, which is a spinoff of The Goldbergs. Um, and that's been something I've, that I've been very focused on on exploring is getting that, um, taking that taking the learnings from. The commercial space and, and filmmaking in that in that medium and, and trying to translate it into a longer form and tell tell greater stories and it's it's great with what's happening in, in hollywood right now with uh um, all the studios are looking for new voices uh from diverse backgrounds and uh the people at sony pictures uh accepted me into their program and i was named a fellow um at the end of 2018 and then uh, did did the program with uh with Mr. Katzenberg, and um, you know, looking for more opportunities there. Um, we just had an event at uh, on the lot where they screened some work. Uh, one of my pieces was chosen, so uh, that was that was screened for some executives and and some showrunners. And uh, looking forward to seeing what twenty nineteen brings in that space. And in, in the meantime, staying busy um, uh, with uh, with the branded content thing, which I still very much love. Uh, um, I just got uh, done in New York. I was shooting with uh, the great uh, Jay Williams, uh, formerly of Duke and the Chicago Bulls, uh, who's really just a, a really I got to know um, a little bit, and is really a fantastic human being and. Uh,
0: even as an Arizona fan, you can say Jay will. I, Jay I, will is a is a good guy.
2: Yeah, I mentioned that to him. He did not apologize, which I didn't expect him to. Um, but you know, the thing is, is, when you're an Arizona Wildcat fan and you come across great college basketball players, there's a good chance they beat us <laughs> yeah. at some point. <laughs> at some point, uh, because we, we I think one thing we do is we sort of uh, we ha- we grew up there, and we have a lot of affinity for that basketball program, but we inflate the success we've had. I think quite to, 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 a, to a certain degree when you really compare it to some of the other great blue blood programs like Duke, it's like astronomically different where it's like, Oh, you have one national championship. We don't actually know where to put all the banners. Y'all, so Y'all you know,
1: got to refresh my memory. I'm usually up on this type of stuff. What, what happened back? Jay in, the in 2001
2: Jay? In, uh, in Minneapolis that a, 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 Gilbert arenas and uh uh, I believe Jason Gardner, Richard Jefferson, Lauren Woods led Arizona Wildcat team met Duke uh, with Jay Williams, and Mike Dunleavy um, in the national championship game, and and the game was actually coming down pretty competitive down towards the end, and uh, and uh, I think Jay Jay sort of went on a tear in the last five minutes and and put you know played played like the the four four time All American he was and and and. St- and drove a dagger into our hearts.
0: And controversial non-foul call
2: sure. uh, on him
0: and with Jason Gardner. But most importantly, uh, it was right around the time of Bobby Olsen's death, mm-hmm. uh, Lou Olson's wife. So there was, you know, yes. this was the year that Arizona was supposed to win. Yes,
2: yes. And it, it really hasn't been the same since for us. No. Uh, and uh, actually as as we speak right now it could be a really unraveling as far as i know <laughs> uh, but but uh, cuz i know that there's the uh, the ncaa is they love to come after us i don't know they just something something someone somewhere really pissed off espn and the ncaa at the university of arizona so um, i'm just i'm just calling it out there's a lot of other programs out there that are not doing things <laughs> on the up and up uh, namely kansas namely kentucky but i'm not going i'm not here to name names but uh, <laughs> what well, Jay and I shot an Acura commercial as a promotion for the March Madness tournament. Um, it was fun, fun to work with them. Um, and then at, at the same time, uh, I've been preparing for uh, a real quick uh, mini documentary uh, with the folks at Nike on uh, with Kevin Durant uh, about a shoe that he's launching, and then talking about the theme themes of themes and influences of the '90s, which people at, uh, that are listening. Kind of don't know that we're at chance bending studios. We're sort of surrounded by a lot of icon iconography of the '90s. <laughs> Reminds me of my room when I was a kid. So, um, you know, I think it's it's a uh, I'm lucky. You know, things I was telling Jordan when you were outside for a minute that, um, you know, every day I, I sort of have to remain in, in a in a in a deep a deep level of gratitude that the things that I. The things that I was passionate about as a kid are the things I get to continue to be passionate about and I actually get to make a living doing. So it's, um, you know, I have to approach, I approach every opportunity when I'm in the space of popular culture that I love and basketball spe- specifically, That, uh, that how, how, gra- how grateful and how lucky I am to get to be able to do things like that.
0: As, as someone who creates the imagery, the pop culture uh, for us, you know, with, again, with Adidas and Nike and all of these incredible brands and, and shows and, and film and documentary. How did, how did you get into this? Why, why don't we back up and, and talk a little bit about how you got into this? Because I think that our audience is out there. They probably want to better understand you, how you do this, and then basically your thoughts on uh, how you see the space sort of moving and evolving. But, but the question is, it, how, how did you get involved in this? How did, how did you get your start?
2: It really just comes down to uh, I was never comfortable with the path that it that that is sort of laid out for you and within the structure of going to school, getting a degree, going to law going to law school, becoming a doctor, all those different things. Like I, I think for me, um, I was always uncomfortable with the idea of uh, doing just a, a a nine to five job that I that I didn't do something that I loved, and I know that that's. I know that's a lot. A lot of people don't get to do that, um, but for me, I was very resistant to that. And even as I went to school, and even as I, I went to college, um, I took classes and I did things that just interested me. And I was always interested in writing, uh, and I, became, I, I majored in creative writing at University of Arizona. Uh, and you know, luckily, one day in which uh, what one does with a cr- creative writing degree from the University of Arizona with an emphasis on on poetry, which um, I will get to later. Well done, done, Amir. Yeah, thank you. Well, what you end up doing is uh, you bartend. So uh, I was uh, working in a bar. Um, Lucky enough, a friend of mine's sister came into that bar uh, and told me about an advertising agency in Los Angeles. She asked me why I was bartending with a college degree, and she told me, you're smart. You have all this this stuff going for you. You should be doing more with your life. She told me about an advertising agency in Los Angeles called Shia Day um who at the time I didn't I didn't even know they existed I didn't know anything about it and I found out about this profession of being able to become a copywriter and being able to make commercials and the one thing I will say that like is I think the maybe might have been the 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 epicenter for for all of this was my passion and love for basketball as a kid and particularly like the branding of Nike and Adidas and all these basketball commercials that came out around the time that just sort of blew my mind, um, and then obviously, in 1989, when when Do the Right Thing came out, I think when I saw that movie, um, I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. I just knew that I wanted to create something like that. So I was always driven towards that. I was always wanting to write. I was attracted to something in the creative field. Um, when I found out about advertising and that these guys had Apple as a client, they had Sony PlayStation. They had some cool. They're doing some cool commercials on TV that I had seen. Um, I moved to Los Angeles, uh, showed up at their doorstep, started answering phones, and uh, from there, that just started a, a career of um, you know bouncing around. I was uh, worked in editing, I worked in their dub, dub room, and um, I, I went back to school. I went to an art school in Atlanta where you that specializes in um, creative portfolio development. So I went there and made a portfolio. Uh, moved to New York and did the Madison Avenue thing and and worked at a advertising agency there and then became came across some directors as I was selling work and, and doing bigger and bigger things with bigger brands that had made some of the commercials that I was talking about earlier. Uh, a director like Paul Hunter uh, became a mentor of mine. Um, Paul directed a, a commercial called Freestyle, which everyone's seen, which you know, features um, basketball players dancing on a stage and and uh creating to music and a beat and and he had directed the d'angelo uh you know how does it feel music video he did hypnotize he did all these uh iconic music videos and so paul uh paul directed um i met him ironically for the first time on a burger king commercial um and then and then we did an adidas documentary together and uh I, he, he really let me into his process. And so that's when I started getting the idea of becoming a filmmaker and directing these things. And he actually let me run some second unit, um, with, with some of the athletes. And, um, and then from there, you know, I just, I got a break through, uh, My brother was also in advertising, had a, a, a short film series he needed directed for one of his, uh, clients and he gave it to me. And then from there, I just, I was able to, um, parlay that into a transitioning from being a a writer and a creative director to being a director. And then my contacts at Adidas who had, I'd worked so closely with, um, came one day, just showed up and, and said, Hey, we have this thing. We, we need someone we trust. It's really precious to us that someone who understands the brand and understands this athlete knows what they're doing. And we can, we can, we don't have to be there every step of the way. And I said, great, what is it? They're like, well, you know, Derek Rose just blew his knee out. We want to make a documentary. Um, and uh, that documents uh, his comeback, and so that was really the other big opportunity from Ryan Moreland over at Adidas, um, and that really took me to the next uh, level, and um, the, you know, that's a long answer. Uh, I think the, the, the short answer is I found something that I love to do, and I just went about going, uh, I went about doing it um, whenever the opportunity presented itself and got me closer to to realizing that goal. Um, I didn't have the end goal of being a documentary filmmaker or a filmmaker or doing television. Like I was talking about, I think it just, I'm all, I think I evolved into that and maybe that was always the goal. But, um, I think for me, it's just, uh, always looking for opening, open doors and and going through them and, you know, being willing and, and trying to learn from that experience. And, and, uh, and to keep pushing, you know, myself uh, as as an artist and as a as a, a filmmaker,
1: I got yeah. like a thousand questions for you, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: Um, well, comment followed
1: up by a question. I, said, I think this is the second time in a row, and it's a common theme on Transbending bending that we find people that are in one field and that field basically helps them with the transition and to ultimately get into what they want to do. So last time with Bill corporate sales, you worked in ads first, um, basically sales. How do you think that's impacted you now on the creative side? Because I know that knowledge that you attained by doing that basically has put you in a position to actually know what you're doing now with the creativity that you're producing.
2: Yeah, I think what has really benefited me and it's even benefiting me now in, in some of my experiences, I've, I'm finding myself making another transition is that there's always commerce that comes with art especially successful art and uh, being able to not only articulate your idea um and be passionate about it and and especially when you're dealing with um subjective issues like tastes like you know i like red you like blue and i'm going to say you know red's better this is the way it is and one thing being in advertising and, and watching some of these creative directors and strategists come together and build decks and build uh build cases for their points of view has really helped me not just say, I think it should be this way, but to develop um, a rationale behind that and to get people on board and get them excited about it. And, and really it's just in the same thing as storytelling and, in a really great script, there's subtext um, beneath what people were talking about and filmmaking and in advertising ideas. There's a subtext at the same time that you have to be conscious of and you have to be able to articulate. And uh, and and when you convey that with with conviction, and they and they may not always agree with you, but if you can if you can speak articulately to that uh, to that reasoning and like why, why you have a point of view on it, and be able to draw a reference and be able to, to 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 tell them why you're inspired by it, and make it even personal to an extent. Always the best presentations I ever saw were began with personal stories, and, and you believed that it wasn't just a guy who's selling Levi's put on those that pair of jeans um you know right off the rack and the tag just came off like he walked in with those jeans that he's had for 40 years and he tells you a story about that and you're going to kind of listen to how he wants to tell that story about that brand so i think the advertising side of it really gave me um a way of articulating an argument um and selling and selling an idea uh and, and having a point of view as opposed to just uh you know we talked about screamers earlier there's our <laughs> art, artists or artists can be screamers and can be petulant and um, you know, there's only a few guys, especially in this modern day, like what there's not that many guys out there that are good enough to be, to be assholes and you have to be able to play and you have to be able to explain yourself. I
0: think yeah. even Steve jobs in 2019 would catch, would catch a bad one. If you, if you know what I mean? Like, I'm
2: not sure his, I'm not sure he would fly in 2019 to be honest. It's a hard thing to say because in, in 2019, it, would he fly if he if the iPhone wasn't ex- if we're talking about 2019 where all the stuff that he was able to will into existence didn't exist? Because if if all that stuff's existing and he's still responsible for it, there's probably still a bit of of God uh, persona and God light around him that m- might you might forgive that. But uh, I do think uh, I know what you're saying in terms of of the climate of of harassment and the climate of maybe. Uh, of, of bullying in which he's been called. And I actually, you know, I was fortunate enough at Shia Day to be uh, in that aura a little bit around that advertising campaign when he came back. So like, um, you know, he, he pushed people, but he pushed people towards greatness. So I, I, that's a tough one, but I, I, you're probably right.
1: I agree. I agree with you though, Ben. I saw something. I think I was watching the Breakfast Club and this was around one of the many times that Kanye was on one of his rants. And Not that I agree with this point, but it is thought-provoking because I'm the ultimate fan of this guy, and um, I think he still would be big. But I think Charlemagne might have mentioned that maybe Tupac wouldn't be seen in the same light as this beloved figure, like if he was in the climate today Hmm. doing the things that he did. Who knows, but to your point, you know what I'm saying, some of the legends and the people we idolized from the past, you never know how they might. Yeah, and and
0: like we were saying before the show, Amir, you know, eras do come back. You know, we were saying how Gen X was were, were slackers, right? Like it wasn't cool to achieve, and and then Amir was sort of saying, yeah, maybe it's going to come back a little bit, where where that's cool again. Hmm. Um, you know, maybe we'll see the return of of Tupac and and Steve Jobs, but here in two thousand nineteen, it doesn't seem like it's happening.
2: I think what you bring up though, Jordan, is interesting, and I was talking about it where because of. There, were, there was this mystique around these guys, guys like Tupac and Biggie, and guys like uh, you know Jordan and and um, and AI and all these all these basketball players in the '90s, and even I would say even up until ten years ago. Now that we have social media, you know, I, I feel like that mystique has gone, and I, and there's the, the some of the commercials I was talking about, like the great basketball commercials. I think uh, sports commercials in general have suffered because of it, because it used to be you know, open on LeBron having breakfast with his kids, and you were like, whoa, mm-hmm. oh my God, I can't believe what mm-hmm. I'm looking at, dude. Mm-hmm. This dude's getting in his, he's got a Bentley in his garage, he's gar- his a garage. What does that <laughs> look like? And then like you see in his gym, and every morning, you know, for better or worse, you're seeing where these guys live and you're seeing their play-by-play of their day-to-day. So the unexpected nature of those commercials when they would come on and show a side of the of these guys' lifestyle that you just had never seen before um, that sort of shock is is gone, and maybe with guys like Tupac now, like if he was running around with with Insta stories, I don't know, I don't. Maybe it wouldn't be as great, right? Right? You know, right. maybe it
1: wouldn't be as great. Right? It it might be. Hey, Tupac's going crazy again, man. Like kind of how we view on Kanye, but it's crazy that you just brought that up because that was one of my questions I was going to ask you. I think any of us who are sports enthusiasts, obviously, I'm 27, so I don't have as much knowledge as you guys. Thanks for being nice hey, about man that. Yeah. Yeah but um obviously i'm a kid that's influenced heavily by that era i grew up i grew up straight in it you know so i'm partial to that era unlike a lot of my peers today like of course i'm a part of my generation and i love everything we're doing but you know i got a sympathy and i got an appreciation for the past era and i think any of us would agree that the past ads whether it's little penny whether it's be like mike whether it's whatever you want to say it can't compare to today. And I was gonna ask you your opinion on it, but I never thought of it like that. And I think that that is I'm hundred percent with you. Like the access that we have to everybody today, like any of us could pick up our phone right now and see what LeBron is thinking, see what he's doing, see yeah. whatever. So when a commercial come on, it's like, man, I just was scrolling on my timeline and I saw Brian. So
0: Amir, when when you're shooting when you're shooting KDE or, or whoever you're shooting today, does that come into your mind this idea? like are you are, are you trying to go the opposite way? or are you trying to like make them inaccessible? Like is, do you feel like that's a trend that's going to start we're gonna to start to see that happen
2: due to social media? Uh, you know I never have really like consciously thought of it that way. I think you're just trying to find an, a story uh, and a point of view that it really comes down to like what what are they saying and what that, that is interesting and what are they what are they offering? that can maybe just disrupt for, for a second. You know, um, I, I don't know that I don't, I don't necessarily know that um, I'm thinking of it through that lens of like, can we show I, I, you're always looking for interesting places to, to, to pick people. And, and um, you know, I'm not, I'm not really sure that's, that's, <laughs> you kind of caught me off guard with that question, but I, I don't really, I don't know that I have an answer for that. I, I got a thought for you guys. I got a question.
1: And, and Ben, I think we're in agreement because I know you're of the mindset of of the culture we're living in today when it comes to social media, media as a whole, content, 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 push it. That's how you get your brand. That's how you stay alive. I mean, if you go away for two weeks, you're forgotten about it at this point. You know how music is. Someone comes out with an album in two weeks it's two years old. But I think there's an element of like what you're getting at with the mystique. And some examples of what I'm talking about is like, when Macaulay Culkin just did the Amazon, I think the Alexa, I think uh, that hit because it's like, when's the last time you saw him? You know what I'm saying? Like, if Jay-Z does a commercial who rarely is out, I think it'll hit. If Denzel does it, like, I think these guys that keep their mystique do still have a presence when it comes to, like, well, your that, world of new ads.
2: That's the biggest dilemma that that people face, too, is when they do go about doing that and they do bring a Macaulay Culkin out. The, the He did that. I think that was for Google. And... um and uh, and I, we talk about it with the Super Bowl because I think the turning point for uh, for that mystique and using celebrity and how celebrity sort of taken over that platform and now now it's almost driving the idea and the you see you even see it with the commercials that are coming out it's like the the idea is to use the celebrity there, there's no idea beneath it right. right and I think the day it started was the day it was half there was a there was an um, I think it was in 2012. And Chrysler did an ad that came out of nowhere, blew the doors off everybody. That David Gordon Green directed, that uh, that showed Clint Eastwood walking in the halftime tunnel, and he was talking about it's halftime. They they, they strategically placed the ad during halftime, and he, he made this analogy and this metaphor to it being halftime in America. It was right around uh, the midterm. Ele- it was right at the site. The elections were about to come in. We were going to decide if we we're going to vote Obama in for a second term, and. Um, he, he was talking about halftime, he was talking about all this stuff and it was all tied to this brand and no one could believe that they could get Clint Eastwood to do an ad. Mm-hmm. And that just like all of a sudden the floodgates were off and now it's like people that you never thought in a million years you'd see in an ad, uh, are showing up and, um, and now the mystique of it's. I think it's not even so much now like, okay, I can get, can I get Drake in an ad? Yes. now. But what is Drake doing? That is interesting. No, right. I think it's not just Drake. You know, it used to just be cool. Like, he, I'm going to show him driving and show that he drives like a regular person. That used to be interesting. Okay, well, now that's not interesting. Now, if he's driving and talking um, on his phone to Richard Branson, that's something I'm interested in. Because then I want to know what this guy who's out there balling like a rapper, do all this stuff, playing, show, playing sold-out shows, and like he's going to a show in his hundred thousand dollar car and he's talking to like one of the most successful businessmen on that that to me is that that's something i don't necessarily see coming that's unexpected that's those i guess those are the kinds of things like you know with kd i want to show him i don't want to just show him standing in a record store surrounded by 90s nostalgia i want to show him sitting against the floor surrounded by the records like he's a kid going through all this stuff um and 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 really just lost in 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 sort of the memory and the nostalgia of it all, and like, what's a different way we can do it, right? That's not just, not not just expected. So I think it's I think yeah. it, I think to answer your question is like it is, it's not just enough to show them anymore. So you have they have to have they have to be doing something we didn't expect, or offer a point of view that we maybe just didn't see coming. Or, or humanize them in such a way that maybe we didn't didn't really uh, some, at least offer something about them that we didn't know.
0: Yeah, as as a um, as a tech guy, I feel like we're in the um, beginning days of just a massive uh, subscription roll up on the internet, where uh, the first twenty years of the internet was really ad supported uh, business models, which was really focused on uh, making sure e- e- page views, right? Like that's why we have all this Facebook. Uh, Russia stuff is like, everything is uh, the incentive is to make you click on the article. And now that subscription models are coming in, I think the interesting question as content creators and as personalities and influencers that we have to answer is, okay, if we start putting some content behind a subscription bundle, and we're seeing this with Spotify, Netflix, Amazon, and so forth, and it's just going to keep going. Um, what wh- where is the dividing line? Like you need the attention, right? So you need to put out free content, um, but at the other at the other side of this, you're going to need quote unquote premium content to place behind that wall for that subscription bundle. And I think it's an interesting question for someone like Jay Z. Like Jay Z has to create premium content that you pay for, but he also has to create free content that's worthy of attention, mm. right? And I think for someone like you, Amir,
2: you're going to ultimately. Have to figure out where that line is for so many interesting personalities. I mean, truth be told, I I, I desperately don't want any part of it anymore. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't. I like. I, I want to tell story. To me, my my goal is not to figure out how to sell. I, I don't think I was put on this planet to figure out how I could sell content or or get get eyeballs on on and get subscriptions. And and I think there's people out there for that. I, I want to tell the stories that hopefully draw you to that but um it it doesn't it doesn't fascinate me
1: it sounds like there's a lot of similarities to you know um musicians like they don't want to get into how can i chart how can i be number 1 like you just want to stay in the creative mode and then it just comes
2: it takes you out of it and i don't i mean hopefully hopefully i can make something that is that is good enough that you know when something's good you find it you know, it, I don't know that, I don't know if I'm being manipulated by an algorithm. Um, I, I try not to get caught up in all that. I think it, it's a rabbit hole that I don't want to go down and, and explore just how I know I'm not original. I know that a lot of stuff that comes up my way is being fed to me because of my behaviors and I'm okay with that. And, and, but I, I do, I do think we still have the power of word of mouth. We still have artists and in the music and the filmmaking worlds and, 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 in all walks of life that are creating amazing things that. That rise to the top, and um, you know, I, I don't, I, I definitely do not want to be staying up at night figuring out how. I think the brand, the brands have to do that. Um, it still comes down to storytelling and, and power of messaging, um, but th- there's a whole other side of it that that I just don't, I don't know that I'm.
0: So, so as a director and writer, do you purposely, consciously keep that out of out of your uh, creation?
2: I don't. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm. I try to keep in mind the audience. And, and I try to keep in mind that I do want people to see what I'm making, and I try not to make things so narrow that only five people will understand them. Um, I am thinking about a broader sense, and especially when, when a lot of my stuff is branded. Um, yes, it, it does have to appeal. It doesn't have to talk to everybody, but there should be a little bit of something for everybody in, in it that they can relate to. Um, but I, I fight this, this battle. when We talked about art and commerce, being able to sell your idea and then you can't really argue with analytics when people have, they have uh, they have proof, they have focus groups, and they have all these other things to back up why this other idea might work better, and you can't argue with that. But I, I try to, I I have to sort of keep things in a creator's through, through a creator's lens and, and a filter that that way. Otherwise, if I start thinking about the uh, the process or. Um, the, the the what what the size of the button is and all those little things then i think it's taking me out of that stuff i think you need to re- revisit after uh, i'm I, I can get involved in that in that game plan but um if you're you're trying to hire an artist to, if you're trying to hire a guy to paint something on the side of a wall you can't like stand over his shoulder and say you know our our, our analytics show that that in the right bottom right hand corner this color blue works better for traffic it's like He's not going to be able to create the best thing. He's going to create. It's just not going to work that way. It's tough, though. Netflix is doing things now. Yeah,
0: I mean, that was my question: is like, do you think the Netflix recipe is that real?
2: First of all, apparently it is real. You know, I was reading about. um, I was reading Kerry Fukunaga talk about uh, a a story where he was talking about how the subjectivity we we were discussing earlier, where uh, I have a scene, maybe I have a scene with a really difficult subject matter um, in the first season of my of my 10 part show. Right. And like it, maybe it involves like something like rape. And in the first five minutes, there's a rape. And then Netflix comes back and says, you can't, that can't be the first scene. And it's like, no, fuck you, man. We need, we need to come in. We need to actually establish why this thing is happening. And we need to set a villain. We need to set an antagonist protagonist situation. And we need to go on this journey. Yeah. Well, here's the thing, man. We have all this data that says if you, that specific thing, if we see it five minutes in people turn off and they never come back. So there's if that data is real and it's affecting uh, the creative process, and it's hard to argue with that. Mm -hmm. You know, if that's if that's real, like you you know, it's not just we think this is wrong. I think this is right. It's like, wait, do you want people to watch this or not? Mm -hmm. And I think it's going to be challenging for us um, to maintain that level of creativity with that data to tell those stories in a way that that remain impactful and and. Ultimately, maybe it is right, you know, but I, I'm going to trust. I think if someone's telling me that, if they can prove to me that that's the case and what I'm writing may not be watched because they have this proof that people don't watch beyond five minutes, if, if I introduce a scene like that, I'm, it's going to probably make me rethink it. Hopefully it doesn't make me rethink everything, but um, it's, it's just another way of getting a note from a studio. It's probably more accurate than a person.
1: I got a question for both of you guys. It's funny. We were just talking about Netflix, man. Um, so I'm in bed last night watching. And I turned Netflix on. I'm looking for Killer Mike's new. Oh yeah, mini yeah. doc or whatever you would call that. That show. That show. What's it? What? It's called Trigger Warning. Oh yeah, Tri- yeah. Trigger, Trigger Warning. Warning. Trigger Warning is dope. I like it. Very thought provoking. But I initially when I clicked on it, it said you you've reached the maximum amount of uh, TVs. Remember, we were just talking oh, about yeah. anybody can yeah. use it. Yeah. So I immediately thought about you, and I was going to talk to you about that
2: today. What do you mean? Like they said that you – Like w- log in. You know how you in. can just
1: share anybody's Netflix password in oh, the past? You, like, oh, okay. Now it's like uh, you've reached your so, max. So I can tell like. you as
0: a uh, as a former YouTube dealmaker, maybe I shouldn't be sharing this, but typically in, in negotiations and agreements – uh, you know, and I was there a long time ago. We were including up to six logins mm-hmm. per house, and that was a long time ago. So I'm guessing that it's probably more like double now to twelve. But it,
1: there is a there is a maximum limit to so to how many you have. I did research. I mean, I couldn't use it, so I had to like. The thing is, my family, like my sister, my parents, like, yo, what's your Netflix password? So that's what it is. They're using it, so I'm like, whatever. Like, y'all just use that. I created a new one. I went on the site and it's three different options. Um, There's an $8.99, there's a $12.99, and a $15.99 option. Um, $8.99, you get one screen. The middle option, you get two screens. The maximum, like the big package, you get four screens. So that's the maximum amount. I got the maximum, but like the basic package with one screen, it's not in HD. What about their data is telling them that they would even offer something that's not in HD?
0: Yeah, I'm sure that like uh, I think there's also just business decisions, just like we were talking about from a creative perspective, where uh, you know uh, they've done a million little research projects on what's going to sell the most subscriptions. You know, oftentimes with subscription bundles, you try to offer an outrageously expensive one so that the middle most um, most Americans, most people in the world will always choose the middle,
2: no matter what you show them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that could be part of the. The strategy that's that's so interesting that, that that option would not include hd that they have information it's that crazy. basically means that the people that are choosing that probably are still watching on on like but trinitrons that blew my mind
1: last night i'm like what is going on i i ended up getting the 1599 they got me but I
0: think it's so interesting, man. I think what we're talking about on a really big picture is like who's going to play with the algorithm and who's going to play against the algorithm. Like, that's the way I see it in everything we've talked about, which is Do you
2: have a choice?
0: Well, that's that. I mean, that could be the matrix illusion, right? Which is that uh, when you look at these Instagram algorithms and all these social algorithms and stuff, it's like, I'm not going to play, I'm not going to do this. And it's like, yeah, man, you're playing by it no matter what. We were talking the other day about how JD. JD's like, man, I don't have a Facebook account. And it's like, yeah, you do, man. You're at, first of all, you're on Instagram, and second of all, Facebook even keeps profiles of people that are not on the not on the platform internally, right? That's come out. So uh, you might be playing with the algorithm and you don't even know it. That's that's what's crazy.
2: I uh, committed Facebook suicide in, in 2014, so I haven't had a I haven't had a Facebook account. I it, but it's still there it's still if I actually it's go, still there
0: they're still collecting info on you no no
2: and and if i actually accidentally hit a link that um, will take me to the facebook page my name comes up in the logo in the in the little box with, with a with a password just like to log just tempting me to log back in and i haven't done it and uh, but i have an instagram account i mean yeah i have it i have it you know it's like yeah, it's just a different version of it now it's it's, it's a streamlined version of facebook
0: so, so yeah. I mean, I have to commend you though, because I think what you are saying is you want to stay true to an artistic vision. You are trying to take these ideas of the what I would deem as the algorithm uh, and sort of put them over to the side. You recognize it's there, but you have to keep on moving. You have to keep on creating great stuff. I mean, yeah. that's what it comes down to.
2: Well, yeah, and I have to play ball with it. I mean, I, I don't want to sit here and say it does. It's not my problem. I am an artist, and I I am going to make my art. I mean, look, I am not if I am not ind- independently wealthy uh to a point where I could just tell everyone to fuck off and their algorithm you know I'm just gonna make what I make, nor am I good enough to do that <laughs> you know there's so I think it's uh you know i have to i have to be respectful of of especially when people are paying me of of what that process is and and it's it's honestly I actually find usually um I don't find for the most part the more I go with the stream and and sort of and sort of just go back to the the uh, the thing we were t- talking about of, of offering a point of view and and, and listening and, and working within the spirit of collaboration it, it, I, I tend to find that I don't always have to compromise that much. It's really not that much. I mean at the end of the day a logo if a logo is going on it, if you're really truly an artist and you're already you're already compromised so the, but I don't believe in that. I mean I believe that all of it is, Intertwined. So um, I don't know. I don't, I just don't, I don't ever feel like I win or lose. I, I, I just, I just, sometimes I feel like some stuff turns out better than, than others. And some stuff, some stuff is great. Sometimes, but no one bats a thousand in that, in this. So um, I, I don't know if, I don't know. I, I don't know that it's all like, if it's damaging that much, you know? How, how do you market yourself? It's so funny you say that because, um, you know, I have through, through the production company I work with, we have representation, you know, and like they go out beaten, they go out sort of, and, uh, and, and, and put you up for jobs, like the way an agent would. And when they find out about stuff, they, they try to put you up. And, um, a lot of it is through that. A lot of it is through just horizontal networking and and like sending, making and getting introduced to people. This, this thing that I'm doing through uh, Nike was, uh, someone introduced me to actually my girlfriend. Did she knew the guy, one of the guys who founded franchise magazine? And uh, we, she saw him at Intelligentsia, we were having coffee, and uh, uh, introduced me to him, and we started talking. And then next thing you know, uh, he's connected to those guys about this project, and he, he calls me. It's just things like that. And then also, I think there's, one thing I do think is interesting about uh, social media, right? We're talking about perception, and like what people are doing, and how it's all broadcast. Like, I market myself, it's really important that I have to beat my own drum and I can beat my own drum by saying, one thing I've learned is like, it's not necessarily like, look at what I did. It's more about, look at what I'm doing. So I try to, I've, I've adopted, I think, and I've seen it be a more, way more effective is that if I'm posting things about that are process driven and I'm shows me out there doing, then, then I get, I I feel like the perception, amongst people that might be paying attention to me is that I'm, a, that I'm a maker and I'm a creator and I'm validated that way. And then they're interested in and I don't necessarily share what I'm doing and I'm very cryptic and vague about it, but it creates a little bit of intrigue. And I think you have to do that. I think you have to do that. you know No one's gonna do it for you. Even the people who represent you, they're, they're busy. They have other people. I think you have to market yourself by, by, by showing yourself as you would wanna be seen. Like, are you out there making? Are you out there doing stuff? Are you curious about the world? Um, who are the kinds of interesting people that you're hanging out with? Like what what makes you different than than just any other director, right? Like the things I post about tend to be about things that are, have to do with what, what's up in this room. So when they know that they they want to work with me, they look at my Instagram and they go, well, this guy clearly loves basketball and he, he loves 90s culture. Or he loves hip hop. or He loves movies. Um, he's a historian of all these different. He loves art. Like then they know what kind of person they're getting.
0: Yeah. I, I, I love that thought. And uh, to me, like, I always respected um, MTV, actually, uh, because making the video was always more popular than the video itself. And they had the, the insight to see that. And then what they did with Laguna Beach and the hills, I thought was just genius. Because at that time, that was pretty groundbreaking because no one knew if it was real or not. Mm. And it was like, wait a minute, these aren't the real kids that are actually living this culture and doing and making and sort of creating this culture. And then everyone else you're watching, that's the end result. So don't watch the end result. Watch the actual, MTV was basically saying, watch the actual stuff being made by the real kids. And that just, I I really took that um, as an important lesson Mm. for my work. And it sounds like you sort of think about it the same way with social media, I, th- I think that's genius. Well, I, th-
2: I think I think it's like there's a fine line, right? Because there's people out there doing what I'm talking about, but telling, but fabricating a complete lie, right? So like, if I'm out there like going to Staples Center and and shooting, uh, t- taking photos of of being being around a basketball game or being somewhere or. Shooting around a set or doing something, like that, and then they find out that none of it was work related. Eventually, you have to show what you were doing. Like yeah. people might go, "Oh, you were on set with Jay. Will- oh, that was a photo of you with Jay, Will- Jay Williams. Like that. That that was cool. Like, can we see that? Like, eventually, you have to show them the product. So, you know, you have to you have to go out there and market what you're doing. But then, a lot of what people are doing now is like they're they're presenting complete fabrications of a, of a life that are that isn't even real. And so. You know, this person might look like they have this glamorous life, but they're taking, you know, when you really get to know, find out what they're doing, it's like none of it is anywhere near that reality. I mean, I think that's why
0: I like JD so much. I think JD goes out of his way not to to even show some of the stuff he's
2: doing and the life he leads. You're trying to stay stay mysterious too, right? Like you you don't need everyone everyone to know. But you're a guy who grew up, like I always find this fascinating is like especially you grew up around around an element of fame right so like and you were you were obviously raised you know by a good father and so you and and people like people that I think have that sort of background that,
1: trying to get me in trouble man and a great mother
2: <laughs> No, and a great mo- and a great mother and a great mother <laughs> I was queued that up you know but uh no you you I mean like the that background I think you you could go one of two ways with it but um, you don't, and there's still something to be said for, like, you don't have to tell everyone every single thing.
1: Absolutely. That's, that's kind of what I was getting at. I mean, that's, I mean, anybody who knows my pops, that's him. Like, can't find a piece of media on him. It's rare. When he just did um, Steph and Clay sit down with him and Isaiah, Isaiah really, really had to convince, him. like, NBA TV. Not that, you know, he's The president of the united states i'm not saying that but i'm just saying that's kind of just always been him he's been a low-key quiet guy and and he believes in that and i think it rubbed off on me to a degree like i kind of um did the facebook exile like you years ago kind of got off instagram probably four years ago i did it for a while i mean i was 18 19 20 playing around with it but i I think I, i appreciate that that sense of mystique but at the same time I think it's a balance. Ben, ben is getting me going. I got to have some right. presence on Instagram to a degree.
2: But when but when you meet somebody like if you're out in a restaurant or a club or you meet say you meet someone um a girl, whatever and how how long does it take you to you know do you do you take does it, does it take you a while to reveal your background who you come from who your father was or do or do you just do you do you like let that come out first of all i have a girlfriend man so that doesn't never well happen. no I'm you're, just, you're really no, getting thought, him in trouble no, no i'm using an example so, so say you <laughs> say say, say you're me. just having maybe say you're just at, at starbucks and some guy just starts talking to, i don't know no you know? i mean
1: if it's just it'll have to be a mutual connection like if i see for example i was in philly a few months ago and uh, i don't know if you remember the player aaron mckee yeah, him and my father were teammates towards the end of my father's career. I remember him when I was a kid. I look a lot different than I was sure. a kid. So I like if I saw him, I'm be like, "You don't remember me?" Like, you know what I'm saying? So in a situation like that, right. yes. But or if it's you know, it, it'll have to be a mutual connection where I just they're gonna be like, "Oh yeah, man." Like, man, how you doing? That type of thing. But I'm not broadcasting. Well, I,
2: I've it. seen guys like growing. I've seen guys who've played like there was a guy that played, he played volleyball at UCLA, right? Mm -hmm. Which is like, when you play volleyball at UCLA, you're, you know, that's, it's not as big of a sport as basketball, but within the Southern California community, Mm -hmm. that's like, that's status. And when he was like 27, 28, we would go, you know, he would just lead with that all (laughs) the time, (laughs) always. And I'm like, man, that is all you like, and it would work, you know, like it it would work on like, for a while it would work yeah, you know yeah, the yeah. athlete thing like um but then you know obviously i don't think he's doing it now you know this many years later but i always found that interesting like where are like well like you want to offer like you want to come in and lead with that like lead with who you are i always like to lead with who i am yeah for sure. you know then rather than like oh you know and the, my the best is probably when you're probably talking to someone who who is giving you their point of view on all these different things that you probably have experienced first, firsthand and then towards the end of it you sort of all of a sudden, it's like, oh yeah. Well, how do you know all this stuff? You're like, oh, well, my dad is just... Joe. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. all right. Well, I probably sounded very stupid. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah man. no, a
1: hundred percent. Um, that's caused some awkward situations for people. That exact scenario that you're describing. So, yeah, I, I definitely try to stay away from that, man. Unless it's a mutual, mutual connection there, but. I know exactly the type of guy you're talking about the volleyball guy right uh, <laughs> the work. volleyball guy shout out to the <laughs> volleyball guy right
0: now uh amir i i feel like i we want to make sure you don't miss your phone call uh how?
1: we got a few minutes we got a few minutes yeah, all right yeah. all right well um uh i got one wrap-up question yeah please i know please, where you're, I know where you're gonna go This a I want to poll both of you guys cuz I have my own opinion. Favorite Super Bowl commercial from this past one. If you guys watched it, it was pretty bad mm-hmm. game.
2: No, I I actually really liked the game. You did? I, I thought the game was like
1: That's the first person I've heard say that.
2: Look, I'm not going to say I know football cuz I don't know if I I just I thought that game was like from an X's and O's standpoint it was like it was two two heavyweights standing toe to toe punching each other in the mouth. Defensively, it was yeah. It was amazing yeah. the strategy that was going on in that game and yeah. some of the plays that turned five plays you could count that 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 game came down to. No, was it like the, the track meet? You know, super exciting. Not as much. I, I personally enjoyed it. Commercial wise, though, to answer your question, um, uh, the one. So this goes back to mystique, right? And like, the one thing that this, the brands are not doing the way they used to. Was waiting till the Super Bowl to reveal their Super Bowl commercial, mm-hmm. so like now, like a week or two weeks in advance. Now we're seeing all of them, so we're not really. It's almost like we're not surprised by them. And when I saw uh Bud Light do the Game of Thrones thing, where all of a sudden this like the Bud Knight isn't, you just think it's going to be another funny Bud Light commercial, and then the mountain kills him, and then the dragon came in. I was like, did they just? Fucking do that. Right, 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 right. That made me like go. I was asking that out loud. Yeah, and that's to me like the sun. That's what a Super Bowl commercial should yeah. be. Like, did they just fucking do that? Right, right. And that was awesome. I right. thought that was the best for me. What you think, B?
0: I love that question. uh You know, this is going to sound super lame because I know they've taken a lot of criticism, but I actually like that Zoe Kravitz commercial just because it made you stop and it made you like, like it's so hard to get attention as you're describing. Like uh, that Bud Light commercial, for instance, like it did make you stop. And like the Zoe Kravitz thing made me stop. I was like, wait, what? I actually had it on mute. And I'm like, what What the fuck is this? And I, I turned it one. up. And so one. when I turned it up, I'm like, all right, they, they, they did its job. It's it a great its strategy
2: a couple of years ago, like uh, there was when Super Bowl commercials was just about explosions and celebrities and babies and outer space, it just seemed like it was going that, how can we make it big, big, big and loud? Uh, Dodge or Chevy or someone, one of the, um, car truck companies made a commercial. There's something to be said about getting be, being quiet in the loud space and get, there's a commercial called God made a farmer. And it was, a, it was like the speech that Paul Her- Harvey gave this national association of farmers and very poetic. It was all black and white, still imagery, uh, beautifully edited together. And it was like that, you know, all of a sudden you're watching commercials, with all these celebrities. And then that came on and that really stopped people. That, that commercial you're talking about, it did get people's attention, but it was also tied to some. Yeah, it fetish. was negative.
0: It was and, and yeah, there's a trend on YouTube with it, yes. so I know it was like negative. But I think it worked. It, like
2: I think it like, worked like too. that that was my point. I think it worked too. Um, what about you, Jordan? What was your favorite? So I had two. I liked the pregame with Peyton Manley and that actor. They don't talk about though. They always do they always do great print promos. They yeah. did it last year too. It, yeah. They've actually, they win Emmys for sports, sports oh, really? Emmys. And I'm glad you brought that up because no one talks about that. Yeah. And John Malkovich was, he's at the Roman Coliseum. That was, that was, that was great writing and Peyton's acting is just Man. going next level. Peyton is funny as hell. <laughs> he's is, so good.
1: Peyton is hilarious. I, I love the way they were playing off each other. Yeah. Um, and then end game, um, I really enjoyed the uh, NFL 100 with all the players and stuff. That was I great. don't even know. What is the NFL 100?
2: I think they're celebrating 100. Oh, 100 years. years. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah,
1: that
0: was another commercial where you're like, did they really just do, they that? Really yeah, do that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: yeah, yeah. I like that one. That was yeah. good. That was awesome. Yeah.
0: Guys, all right. We have to have Amir back. We didn't even really get into like some juicy entrepreneurial marketing stuff, but we'll just have to <laughs> harass
2: Amir later.
0: Uh, but we had just a great conversation. Thank you for being here, Amir.
2: Thank you. I hope. I hope. And I hope. I hope. I hope some of it was useful. Oh my god! I think
0: yeah. I love this episode. This gonna, is this is one of our best.
1: I'm gonna. I was just about to say it. Usually he says that after a few. Not all the time. I don't think I've ever said that. This might have been my favorite one. Wow. So all right. Say, there you wow. go. There you go. And you
2: guys set a high bar, man. You guys uh, set a high bar. Yeah, well. Yeah. We'll see. You guys are good off each other. <laughs> I'm telling you, this is something. I. I just I, look. I, I. I'm. I'm in the. I'm a salesman. I would say, like, I like this. I like what's going on here.
0: All right, all right, all right. So uh, thank you all. And we will be back again next time. Yes, sir.